0: Yo, Ryan Hartley here, your host. Just a very quick one before we dive in today's episode 137. If you are new to the always better than yesterday community, if you are here for the first time, thank you for pushing play. I will never take your time for granted. I hope that this next 40 minutes leaves you better in your heart and in your mind in some way. If you prefer to watch, if you're a visual person, you can head to YouTube. Uh, Always better than yesterday on YouTube. The entire back catalogue of our podcast interviews are there. Especially episode 116 with Matthew McConaughey. That's a particularly special one that you, if you've not seen yet, go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel and go and watch that one for sure. There's over 136 previous episodes. I really hope that they serve you well. And if they serve you well, And you'd like to share them with other people don't feel like you need to but i would be massively grateful to help me reach more hearts and reach more minds to bring great people to great people that's enough for me let's dive in episode 137.
1: as a kid and it taught me a ton of respect for the ocean. It taught me about myself and I carried that passion throughout my life and ended up in a career in corporate America doing um, HR work and then learning and development work. Found that the leadership programs that we built and attended under fluorescent lights weren't delivering powerful, sustainable impact on individuals. And so several years ago, I started rethinking how could I build a program that was more experiential, that was more about the use of self, and that would combine my passion for developing people with my passion for being at the beach and the ocean and uh, landed on this concept of surfing as a metaphor for life and for Um, leading and you know turned it into a a concept a lot of people laughed at me and said I was crazy four years later and you know 60 plus participants through in different cohorts and doing this in Nicaragua Costa Rica um, you know I've proven that it can be done and that it's it's powerful.
0: Hartley here, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome to the interview sessions, where I put my curious questions to inspiring human beings. You, if you have been a listener to the interview sessions since the beginning, you will recognise that voice. That was Brian Formato. He is the CEO of an organisation called Leader Surf. He helps leaders become more self-aware, better leaders, more service oriented through the power of leadership retreats. Since is an incredible organization. I really am looking forward to having you hear more about Brian and the great work that he's doing with his organization. I hope it really does two things. I hope that it inspires you to do more of what you love. And secondly, I hope that it inspires you to be the type of leader where people thrive in your presence. That will make more sense as you hear the rest of the conversation. These interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. And before we dive in, Just say, if you are not part of our Facebook community yet, come and join us. Push pause, come and join us, come and grow in your heart and your mind with nearly 700 like-hearted, like-minded human beings from all around the world. We simply ask that you come as you are and hope after our time together, you leave that little bit better. It takes this audio community to a very much visual and connection community. We hold connection calls every month. There's lots of opportunity to engage and hear from great people. That is my gift to you is to surround you with great people. And it's also an opportunity for you to share, to give, to um, allow people to experience the great insights and experiences that you've had. Here we go. Episode 137 with Brian Fermato, CEO of Leader Surf. Enjoy this one, my friends. Always love. Brian, so good to have you back on the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you, my friend?
1: Fantastic. Great to be with you again, Ryan. It's been a long time since we did one of these, but it hasn't been a long time since we've been in. <laughs> So it's, all
0: good. it's it's really good. I think we were just saying off air. It's um it's nearly been three years, and uh, the first time we tried this, I think we had tech problems. I think I had to record it in two different. I had to stitch two files together. We were but virtual it... rookies back then.
1: Now uh, the world has a new appreciation for video chatting
0: absolutely we have stubbornly shown up every week since and um yeah so great to have you back on and 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 i know that our always better than yesterday community has grown and i just want to create some space for them to um be introduced to this incredible concept like I, i remember i'm still as excited now about your your company as i was the first time i ever saw this instagram account tell us about The word I use is your heart work. It's the the work that you love to do. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, I run a company. It's kind of my passion play called Leader Surf. And it's a play on the word leadership, leader surf, but it actually does involve surfing. Um, I grew up in New York City, which is an unlikely place for somebody Mm -hmm. to want to surf, but the grass is always greener. They say, well, the ocean's always bluer. And so I wanted to get to the ocean. And as a kid, I had the fortune to go into the beach a lot. Um, During the summers and I learned to surf as a kid and it taught me a ton of respect for the ocean It taught me about myself and I carried that passion throughout my life and ended up in a career in corporate America doing. um, HR work and then learning and development work Found that the leadership programs that we built and attended under fluorescent lights weren't delivering powerful sustainable impact on individuals and so. Um, several years ago, I started rethinking how could I build a program that was more experiential, that was more about the use of self. Um, and that would combine my passion for developing people with my passion for being at the beach and the ocean and uh, landed on this concept of surfing as a metaphor for life and for um, leading and you know, turned it into a, a concept. A lot of people laughed at me and said I was crazy and there was a boondoggle and, you know. Four years later, and you know, 60 plus participants through in different cohorts and doing this in Nicaragua, Costa Rica, um, you know, I've proven that it can be done and that it's it's powerful. And so it's uh it's been awesome to be able to combine a passion um along with you know, the, the profession.
0: Mm. And I was listening to your webinar recently from last week, I think it was, yeah. and you know, one of your participants. I uh, heard her personal story. She grew up in South, uh, South Africa during the apartheid. Mm-hmm. And yet you're providing her a platform to not only to, to surf for the first ever time and combine that with a leadership development experience. I think that's really, really powerful.
1: Yeah. So Suana Gordon, who was a creative um, director at FCB Global. Um, got sent to the program as part of her own leadership development. Um, she's now gone on to another role um, at another ad agency in South Africa. But um, you know, for her, this experience, really, she talked about the idea of we all have demons and we all have kind of imposter syndrome and the fear of the ocean, the fear of you know, being able to go into the unknown, the lack of confidence when you enter a boardroom. The program for her, the ocean really as teacher, opened her up to this newfound self-confidence. And what I find is the ocean provides different things for different people. At the same time, Eric Logan, the CEO of the World Surf League, who was also on that uh, webinar, said that you you have to leave your ego at the beach because the ocean will pound it out of you otherwise. And so the program and teaching leaders to surf does different things for different people. For those that have a big ego, it humbles them. And for those that you know, are somewhat reserved, um, it empowers them. And so that's what I love about it is that, you know, it's a moving playing field that's constantly in flow and it requires that you make adjustments and adapt to it. And I think it was a really good metaphor and worked really well for me personally and for a lot of my clients to think of kind of surfing or life on the ocean as it came to dealing with the pandemic and having Mm. to pivot and having to constantly make adjustments And we're doing that to this day as we see, you know, mask mandates going back into place and people pushing out return to work and so forth. Um, It's about flow. It's about being able to adjust and adapt. Mm.
0: I'm not the greatest surfer, but I do love surfing. There's something about being on a board on the ocean that just means that that is the only place I am. Like whatever I've got going on in life, that is the only place I am. I am there in that moment. And for me, it just teaches me both presence and patience.
1: You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought because the images that people see of surfing are people riding the wave, getting tubed. And it's like, that's a split second of this. Right? <laughs> it should really be called paddling. And I've shared this before because you know, <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. And when you're not paddling, you're sitting and waiting. You know, the, that the, the best rides maybe last 30 seconds. But the majority of time, you could go out for an hour and catch two waves, but it's worth every second of it because you're out there with nature and there's so few opportunities we have in this world to put this damn thing down, Mm -hmm. disconnect. And when you're in the ocean, you're not on your phone. You're one with nature. Yeah. You're in this space that's endless. You can't see beyond the horizon, but you can think about what's beyond the horizon. And so I think it gives you that great perspective Mm -hmm. when you're on shore, looking out at the sea, Yeah, the waves always look smaller than once you get out there. And so there's this whole perspective building around really being in it. And in business, one of the things that we all have to balance is the kind of what's right in front of you that needs to be executed with remembering kind of the big picture, the long-term strategy, and the bigger game plan. And so I think surfing is about what's right in front of you, but also scanning the horizon for what's coming. Yeah.
0: I'm just laughing to myself because I'm thinking about your ego comment. And the one thing I really wanted to do on my honeymoon, which was 10 years ago this year, yeah. was uh, we went to Hawaii and I wanted to just, just surf with board shorts only in Hawaii. And I did that, but my yeah. ego instantly regretted it because that... Oh, right. I,
1: I... <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, the cold water surfing, this came up on the webinar last week that, um, you know, surfing in California, the water's cold you know, I mean, even in Southern California. And so you really do have to put on the wetsuit the full time where I do the program. The water is, you know, 85 degrees Fahrenheit. And, you know, you're, you you don't, you may wear a rash guard, but that's it. But each of the people talked about the idea of putting on that wetsuit. And it's almost a code of invincibility that mm-hmm. it gives you this protection, but also you feel like you're a superhero. You're putting mm-hmm. on a superhero thing minus the cape. And I thought that was a cool, yeah, you know, thought, Process. I thought it was something that those wetsuit companies should all, you know, market in some way, shape, form. But there is something about suiting up and having the right apparel for what you're about to do.
0: Yeah. And and let's, let's be really clear about this. This is not a jolly. Like this is, this is not, um, you know, for the cynics out there, this is not, hey, let's just send uh, a group of our leaders to just go and have some board meetings. This is, this is proper. It's based on your, your model of balanced leadership and talk to us about some of the things that Yeah, uh, thank you for that. Yeah. yeah cause a,
1: cause it's, it's easy to get caught up in, in the surfing aspect of it, but truly the surfing, I mean, you can't spend more than an hour and a half 90 minutes in the water is a long time for even somebody that's super fit. Mm-hmm. And so for the program, that's all we, for a day, there's only about a 90 minute surf lesson. The rest of the time is really, you know, spent, bonding with the other participants and learning about self and learning about leading and about serving others. And so you, know, you mentioned this model I built called a balanced leadership model. it's a play on the idea of standing on a surfboard on a, you know, you have to balance, but the, the three pivot points on this balance really, it's a triangle of self. And I believe that if you think about the best leaders in the world, the one thing that I found that they have in common is self-awareness. They know what their superpowers are. And they know what their kryptonite is. Now I like mm-hmm. to use the Superman analogy because phrasing your weakness, not as a weakness, but as kryptonite makes it sound cooler. It makes it easier for <laughs> people to kind of own it, right? Mm-hmm. Because Superman told the world, hey, kryptonite's by weakness. And he feels more people shield him from it than use it against him. So sure. going into the program, it's a lot about self-discovery, getting people to learn things that they may not already have known about themselves or to hear confirming data from people that they've never met that you know, first impressions are the impressions that they build over a week of being vulnerable and seeing how they show up. Mm. The second is around science. And it's the fact that you know, leadership once was thought of as an art, but there's a lot of data out there today that says that there's you know, science behind what it takes to be effective at this, and that it is a skill that can be taught. And so through assessments, through feedback, um, through modeling behaviors with people, with talking about how to give and receive feedback, how to be open to it. Um, You can teach people, right, what it takes to use their self-awareness to be the best leader they can be. And I don't like the idea of having people try to emulate how other leaders are because there's only one you on this planet. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about using those things that make you who you are rather than the power of emulation. But there is science behind it. And the third is service, and this idea that leadership should be a selfless act, that leadership really is about helping others to be their best selves. Management may be about controlling and containing, but leadership is about serving. It's about serving those around you and bringing them along on the journey. And so we spend a day during the program doing a community service project. Um, When we did it in Nicaragua, we um, installed water filters and. Villages that didn't have access to clean drinking water. In Costa Rica, we've been building um, swing sets and installing them at schools. And so it's trenching holes and really putting some sweat equity and sweat labor into it. But it's about teamwork, team building, bonding as a group, and leaving something behind that will leave a legacy for those communities. It's our way of saying thank you for letting us come into your beautiful country, enjoy your beaches and so forth, but then also go off the beaten path and
0: help those less fortunate. Mm. I um I love the word legacy. I have a, one of my favourite books here, which is Legacy by James Kerr, which is all about the the lessons that we can learn from the All Blacks. And yeah. legacy is a powerful word for me. And I and I and I can just only imagine the how life is never the same again once you leave one of these programs. I think that's real legacy. When all of a yeah. sudden things are different and that ripple effect that will go up like you're a few years down the line now from when 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 you first came on what are some of the living legacies that you are experiencing
1: yeah so you know, what's cool is that i continue to hear from people that <laughs> went to the program that have moved on or i'll get a picture that so and so was in chicago for business and they had dinner with somebody that they reunited with that was in the program several of the people have gone on to bigger and better challenges Um, one of them, you know, complete life change. They left the financial services job, you know, to pursue their black, black belt in karate and decided to open their own school. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's some transformational things that I think occurred through that experience for several people. Others, you know, one of the things that we did every day at the program is part of the cadence. And I think building a cadence around how you run your day and creating patterns, Mm -hmm. we spend at the end of every day, we'd go down to the beach and we'd do a session called Sunset Reflections. Mm. And the idea was that each person, we'd watch the sunset in the Pacific, beautiful. And as we're watching the sunset, each person had to share a learning from the day, something they learned about themselves or about the world. And there were a lot of learnings down there mm. you know, that people would have about the things that they learned about themselves, about you know, whether it's from the surfing, from the interactions that we had um, in the classroom, with the community, et cetera. Um, but a number of people then took that forward and said, when I get home, I'm going to continue to do this. And it's so much more difficult to do when you aren't, you know, in a beautiful beach location, but you're just reflecting, not, you know, watching the sunset out your window, you know, from your flat or from your house, it's a little bit different, but it's still this idea of it's almost a form of meditation, taking time to reflect on things. And so I feel really proud of the fact that the people that went through this program—they've been the best brand ambassadors for it. They've oh. all said that it was life-changing for them. That mm. you know, it really—it left a mark. Um, you know, a few of them that mark may be a skeg mark on their leg, but um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, more of it is an emotional, positive mark on who they are, how they show up every day for the people that they work with.
0: Yeah, I love that. Your um your primary company is, is called Groove Management. What is, yeah. you know, what is important to you about helping leaders find their groove?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I think w- w- we live in a world that loves to look for problems <laughs> and yeah, and they're easy to find if you, if you go looking for them. But what about looking for, you know, instead of problems, looking for things that are working really well and shining a brighter light on them. And to me, that's the groove. It's the idea that even a you know, clock that doesn't run is right twice a day. It's like let's let's look a little bit more at the positive side. When I went to grad school, we studied a, con- a concept called appreciative inquiry, and it was the idea of instead of asking what's wrong, ask what's right. And then instead of dissecting problems dissect the things that went well, the success stories to figure out if you can duplicate the success. Was it luck or were there certain things? Is there a formula so you can duplicate that success? And so group management is about helping individuals and organizations to identify what's their groove. I do in workshops with teams, I ask each member of a senior leadership team on an index card to write down what makes your company better, special, or different and put your name to it. And then we shuffle the cards and each person reads somebody else's out loud. And it's fascinating to hear whether there's alignment around what the company's competitive advantage is or is there not. And if there isn't, we have to crystallize that because otherwise people are going in too many different directions and you really have to stay true to what's your North Star as your company. And I think for individuals, it's the same thing around, you know, what makes you better, special or different? What are your redeeming characteristics that, yeah well as i said there's only one you on this planet and yeah we've all been through tough times and we've been through good things as well and so they shape who we are but we've got to be true to ourselves and so that's what group management helps people and companies do
0: i love that one of the things that i think is um becoming more common in the leadership world is this in sense of embracing vulnerability and in sense of embracing failure you're going to have to do that on a board. What, what, does, um, what does bailing off a surfboard teach you about failing?
1: Yeah, so even the best surfers in the world wipe out every time they go in the water, right? <laughs> and so this idea of failure isn't an option, it's a requirement. Hmm. Um, I believe that you know, truly we learn a lot more through our failures and our successes, back to because of the way that we're wired is to diagnose our failures, but not diagnose our successes as much but therefore we spend a lot more time trying to make course corrections and adjustments based on our failure. So learning to surf, one of the first things that we do in the surfing lessons, we teach people how to fall.
0: Mm.
1: Like nobody in business teaches you how to fail (laughs) and how to recover from it, but they should, because if failure is inevitable and failure is the best teacher, then it should be more encouraged. We should create safe spaces for people to do that. So in surfing, there's a right way and a wrong way to fall off the board. The wrong way is head first, right? Or even feet first. Really, they say starfish because you want to land so that you make the you don't go deep um, when you fall, so that you don't sprain your ankle or break your neck. Um, you know. And so teaching people how to fall is important. The other piece of that, which was really cool, and it was kind of an unexpected consequence when I launched the program, was that the first person that caught a wave and wiped out during the first session, Bella, the um, surf instructor from Belgium, she started applauding for the person. And she said, I'll bet nobody's ever applauded for your failure. before." And I was like, that's brilliant. I'd never heard that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it became kind of a thing for us. And every time somebody would wipe out, we'd cheer as much for their failure as we did mm-hmm. when they succeeded. And it's because of this idea that we want to reinforce that Mm-hmm. failure or falling is actually a form of learning yeah. and that you know, the only real failure is if you fail to make adjustments and learn from it. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the root of how we improve and how we get better.
0: Yeah. I love that. And, you know, and for people that are listening and, and struggling to apply this sense of preparing for failure um, to a leadership setting, just look at the way people respond when failure happens. That's a preparation because let's look at Gareth Southgate, the England soccer manager, right? What does he do immediately after failing in the final? He's interviewed by the press and the media. So what does he do? He, um, he absolutely takes full responsibility. He doesn't blame a single one of his, his players. And, And that's, it. An, yeah. Exactly. And it, and it's that preparation that we can do for failure is just not turning in on your team. It's turning up for your yeah.
1: team. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you yeah, know, during COVID, I did um, a number of different workshops for um, for people, you know, online webinars and so forth. You know, many of them were just free a form of giving back and helping people manage through. The first one was around making work from home work for your organization. Mm. Another one was, you know, on, you um, you know, losing a job and how to deal with that and then one was on how to support a spouse who lost their job right and um the idea there being that you know, you've got to um play a role for them of being kind of their chief i called it the ceo the chief encouragement officer mm-hmm. and helping them but in doing some prep for that one of the things that i did was i started looking at some of the top executives you know, and athletes and musicians and so forth in the world, and the number of them that got fired or lost their job early in their career, and how that actually was the motivating factor that enabled them to get to where they are today. Mm. Right. And whether it was, you know, Oprah or Jeff Bezos or Michael Jordan or <clears throat> and you, you name it, you know, and, it, and it, it's global in reach, but it was just fascinating to me to see that um, I think the failure only makes us come back stronger. And it's, you know, it's such a teaching point. And so, um, you know, for those that think that people that haven't failed, um, to me, there's there's something suspect there. Uh, I'm much more enamored with somebody that um, is far from perfect.
0: Mm, amen to that. Yeah. Um, a year ago, I saw uh, an incredible female leader on LinkedIn, and she had this really great title that I fell in love with. You know where I'm going with this. So yeah, I, yeah. I adopted that title for myself a year ago. Um, and that lady is Claude Silver, who is the yeah. Chief Heart Officer of, of Vader Media. She was part of your webinar last week. What did you learn from a fellow chief heart officer?
1: Yeah, I mean, Claude is an amazing person. Um, you know, and the, the connection was that um I'd met Gary V a few different times, um, once randomly in an airport and then mm-hmm. yeah, once through a business context, but somebody had told me that Claude um, had run a surf school. And so I had reached out to her and said, hey, I'd love to hear more about this, told her about Leader Surf. And we connected and had you know, a couple fantastic conversations. Um, you know, the way she is wired is that she's you know, all about the culture within the organization and helping people to come to work and be their best selves. And um, I think you know, what, what I learned from her was, this idea about, yeah, before you open your mouth, before you say anything, your presence is felt, whether it's on a Zoom call or anywhere else, and that your body language, your mannerisms, everything tell a story, and that mm-hmm. so much of communication, as we know, is nonverbal, and therefore, you know, being fully attentive to the people you're with is super important. You have to show them that you care, um, you know, and you have to model what you want in return, and what you put out is what you get back. And I think she, um, she's a a very kind of spiritual person in that regard. And I think, um, it's been great getting to know her and to see how she operates.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the, um, one of the really powerful questions you ask leaders at the end of your program is would you thrive working for you? Yeah, that's a really powerful question. Do people struggle? Do, like, how, what are some of the responses to that question?
1: Yeah, so it, 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 it's the people in the program seem to be better prepared by the end to answer that question. <laughs> the people that I coach that are in a corporate setting that haven't done something as reflective as that struggle more with it. You know? And it's a matter of how do you walk the talk? And you know, are you the type of person that is an empathetic leader that gives people the tough love when they need it, but also shows them, the empathy and the respect and gives them the kudos and it's it's a it's back to there's balance it's a balancing act right i mean some of my toughest bosses and some of the people i respect the most uh they were more respected than liked and that's okay too it's a way of being right and so it's the people that drive you hard challenge you and so forth but they do it because it comes from a place of kindness and you know and and good If they're doing it for self-serving purposes or something else, you'll see right through that. And so the question about would you, it's very deliberate about would you thrive? It's not just would you do well or would you be okay or would you like? It's about would you flourish? Would you actually continue to grow? And so one of the things that I find myself doing a lot with, uh, I just went through this with a, a corporate client. We did 360s for their entire leadership team. And one of the questions is around um, both investing in self-development and then showing impact or results of self-development. And the point that I made to them was that whether you are somebody straight out of school or you're in your early 60s thinking about retirement, modeling the behavior of self-development and being a lifelong learner Mm -hmm. is super critical because Mm -hmm. you have to show others that that thirst for knowledge never ends and that you too want to continue to thrive and thriving means learning new things you didn't already know and giving back.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. And um, one of the things I love uh, following you on, on social is that every now and again, actually not every now and again, quite often you're out on the lakes, you're out on yeah. the, on the foil. Um, that's not just for fun. That, that you tell what does that do for you?
1: yeah it's interesting so as much as i love the ocean i live in charlotte north carolina which is about three hours from the coast but we're fortunate we live on a nice freshwater lake and um, i spend a lot of time either it was paddle boarding during the pandemic almost every morning um doing this wake surfing or wake foiling behind the boat Um, and now i bought this electric hydrofoil and um it's incredibly therapeutic for me i feel it's the closest thing you can have to flying but this idea about it, there's some solitude to it as well. right? And so it is a bit of an individual sport. It's my way of escaping you know, from things and allowing myself time in my own head. Once again, without the phone connected and you know, really getting to be um, with one and flying along, skimming over the surface of the water. A little buzzing sound from the motor, but for the most part, yeah, you're just out there. And so it's uh, it, to me, it's been really therapeutic and fun. I think some of it also is I just turned 50 this year. I'm trying to not let go of my youth. Yeah. I believe that, you know, it's, it's a state of mind. And so, um, yeah, I want to go to Neverland. So I never want to grow up. I like the, there's a Jimmy Buffett quote that I'm growing older, but not up. And uh, I get
0: it. (laughs) Yeah. Mate, you, um, you look young, you look fresh. You look like (laughs) you're having lots of fun. And you know, the reason I'm bringing that up is yes. You know, I just think that's so important for leaders. You know, there's such a secret in, well, it's not even a secret. Just do more of what you love. And it's a very practical thing because it energizes, it gives us. And, you know, I think when we become leaders and we become parents, everything is about taking from our energy reserves yeah. and uh, i just love you know seeing it that's why i get up and do what i do in, in the mornings but it's, it's not because i enjoy getting up at silly o'clock it's because i know that energetically it gives rather than it takes
1: so i mean to that end when we spoke last this wasn't your full-time job no right? and so you heeded your own kind of advice yeah you jumped off into the abyss <laughs> and uh yeah you've you've made a success of it. So kudos to you. I mean, what, Thank what's you. been your biggest, yeah, let me turn the tables and ask you a question. <laughs> yeah, sure. What's been your biggest learning you know, from this journey you've been on and, in that, yeah. I mean, I, obviously there's fear and there's, I've got a family to support. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago, right. I uh,
0: full of, full of fear, but I I got to, I mean, I've been through a bit of a faith journey in my last two years, but for, for me, the honesty is um, I had to le- let go of a bit of control. You know, I think in terms of the fear, sometimes I needed to know that if I did A plus B, it would equal C, mm-hmm. and um, I, I've had to let go a little bit of that. I guess the word is surrender. It's my least favorite word in the world, but I've had to let go of that sense of needing to know, and I made a commitment to leave space for the miracles, and I have been blessed with many over the last sort of eighteen months. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a journey, and and, and I guess it's that. Um, Whether we bring this back to the water and you know that that respect and surrender for the water and it's um yeah Yeah. it's been I I mean to
1: that point yeah surrender doesn't have to be a negative thing Mm. right I mean I think Mm. it's this idea they say when you do get pounded by a wave the worst thing you can do is fight it Mm. because you're not you can't overpower the ocean yeah the idea is hold your breath relax your body go with it. Mm-hmm. Until you know it starts to chill, and at that point, you know watch your air bubbles and go to the surface. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, the form of surrender it doesn't necessarily mean that you're quitting. Yeah. It means that you're conserving your energy for the next opportunity. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love
0: that. Sometimes trying to control the uncontrollables brings us about unnecessary pain.
1: hundred percent. Yeah, but it <laughs> it's much easier to you know provide that advice to someone else than to heat it yourself. Yeah. Ah, hundred percent,
0: hundred percent. What? So, a big part of your your balance model is uh, vision. Where's Where's your vision?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm loving what I'm doing. Um, yeah, you know, I can't wait to get people back down to Costa Rica and be able to run some programs. Because of COVID, I've moved to doing just virtual things um, in that realm. But on the group management side, it's been yeah, a refreshing spring as companies are starting to come out of hiding. I've you know, traveled quite a bit, getting leadership teams together. That in many instances they're very evolved teams. They're new people that have never met other than through a screen, and yeah. you get people in the same yeah, room or an outdoor space, and they're like you look a lot bigger than you do on screen. <laughs> you know, I've yeah. never seen your legs. <laughs> you know, and so it's been it's been fun, but it also you recognize that this two-dimensionality that yeah. you you really miss. Um, the water cooler chatter, the, the impromptu conversations, and that that's so important to building culture for an organization. And so yeah. from my vision standpoint, I just, I look forward to doing more in-person with people. Um, you know, I believe there'll be a lot of companies that continue to stay hybrid, but what that means is that it's not the quantity of time together, but the quality of the time together. And then yeah. that means that they have to Plan for more meaningful interactions mm-hmm. when people are coming together. Um, and so being a part of that journey uh, will be interesting. The other one that's been kind of fascinating is I've had the fortunate luck you know, to have gotten to work with several companies that are those unicorn kind of startups that <laughs> are on this amazing trajectory and you know, will either IPO in the next year or two and uh, have you know, amazing outcomes. And it's interesting because it changes everything in that um, financial success no longer becomes your why. Mm. Mm. And I love the idea of if you could take financial out of the picture, mm. how do you, how, yeah, what's your why and how do you stay committed? And in one case, one of the things we've been talking about is getting everyone on the leadership team to define what's your new why. Mm. Why do you want to stay in this? And can you commit not to the company, but to each other? for a year mm-hmm. if we sign an agreement that says that we're all gonna go this you know because there's, there's we've got more to do Yeah, you know, it's like winning a championship and saying okay now what now mm-hmm. we're gonna do it try to do it again yeah
0: yeah i love that that's really powerful what um what have i not made space for what is on your heart what would you like to share with our audience yeah i mean
1: one of the other things yeah that's been interesting with being with COVID was the number of opportunities that came about to connect with people and do work that otherwise um, you know, may not have happened. Um, you know, one example um, is that you know, I got connected with this woman um, out of the UK, Natalia Cohen, who was one of four women that had rode across the Pacific from mm. um, San Francisco to Australia. Um, you yeah, know, they didn't break a record. They actually created a Guinness Book record. They're the first four-person unaided team to have done this. And uh, we built a workshop called "Navigating Your Team's Course for Success." And a lot of it was grounded in this idea of you know the uncertainty of the ocean, the uncertainty of COVID, and what's next. But the importance of working as a team. Um, there was a Netflix movie made about it um, called Losing Sight of Shore. And the concept and it was her quote is that in order to lose sight of, in order to cross an ocean, you have to have the courage to lose sight of shore. Mm -hmm. It's this idea of having that confidence. Anybody that's an entrepreneur and has started a business, quit a job and gone and done something has lost sight of shore, right? They've gone into the unknown. And I think um, Natalia's story is amazing. One of the things that really resonated with me as we did this workshop and worked with a number of different teams was that they rode in two hour shifts, two and two, and then they'd sleep for two hours and they'd rotate such that you weren't always rowing with the same person, but in the 257 days that they were at sea, not a single one of them missed a single shift.
0: No, wow. And it was
1: because they didn't want to let down their teammates. Yeah. And to me, that whole concept of, you know, trust, respect, being in it for one another, um, that's such a powerful recipe and getting company teams to try to do that um, to me is really, yeah, that's the the juice. That's the powerful thing is when you can get a team not to be dedicated to the company, but dedicated to each other.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah there are people listening right now that are curious. They want to know more about you and the work that you do and that they, they want to, where, where can they find it? Where can they go and connect?
1: Yeah. So two different places. So groovemanagement.com is you know, the website for kind of the human capital consulting business, which is leadership development, executive coaching, team building, um, you know, and org design work for companies and then leadersurf.com and both have blogs. And so, you know, I try to post content to both, pretty regularly with uh, thoughts, ideas, things that are relevant to what's going on in the world around us. Um, Because I think that's really important. You know, and what's been great about this journey for me is that as I coach executives in lots of different industries and lots of different companies, understanding their perspective and how they're seeing the world and the challenges that they all have. um, And in so many cases, you know, it's around What's your impact? Back to the legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, what impact are you leaving on others? Um, what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, and and you know, as I get older, I think that becomes more and more important to me than um, mm-hmm. yeah, what I did. It's about who I impacted.
0: Mm. What yeah. do you think that'll be?
1: Um, I mean, I, I hope that you know that it's that I wouldn't be the leader I am today. Um, I wouldn't have had the impact on the team that I led, had it not been for the work that I did with Brian Formato and his companies. Mm -hmm. That he helped me see things in myself that I hadn't seen. Um, And to me, that's super important. Um, I'd mentioned to you before we got on this call that my father recently passed away uh, over our 4th of July weekend Mm -hmm. um, at 77. And as sad as it was, it's also a point of reflection. And so as I've started going through his stuff, and it was fascinating because um, he was a very private person, didn't know a lot about, him. I mean, he owned movie theaters and so cinemas up and down the East coast of the United States before multiplexes were a big thing. And um, he never wanted you know me or my brother to go into his business. Um, and I didn't know what kind of a manager leader, because we really never talked business. And, you know, mm. as I got to spend more time with him in his older years, he I mean, he'd look at my website and stuff, but he never really imparted advice. He wasn't that kind of person. But what was interesting was in a box in his garage, I found two letters from employees that had worked for him. And I'd like to just read one yeah, um, yeah. because I think it, you know, when you talk about what's somebody's legacy, uh, I hope to get stuff like this. And maybe I am more like him than I give myself credit for. So yeah, this was from August 12th, 1995. And it reads, uh, Dear Lee, that was my dad's name, I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for everything that you have helped me with over the past two and a half years. Of course, the one thing that stands out the most is the money for college. I don't know if you could tell, but it was something that was just beyond comprehension for me. Still amazes me to think about it. There's no way that a letter could in any way show how thankful I am, but I'll try. One thing that's readily noticeable is the way that you're always offering me opportunities that I would normally not be able to have a chance at. A great example of that is my time spent at Brandt Theatres. I would have never imagined that anyone would trust a movie theater to a 17-year-old kid. Granted, there were times that I wasn't entirely happy while there, but it's still an experience that nobody else can claim or draw upon for the future. From the beginning, when you told me that I needed to shape up, you had been really helping me out in one way or another. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Another thing that always caught me off guard were compliments. It often seemed like for no reason you would offer up a compliment. I feel that this has really helped me out greatly. I know that my personal confidence has grown by leaps and bounds over the past two and a half years. I feel that working at the Premier and at Brandt has been one of the best things to ever happen to me. It has really shaped who I am. And for that, I thank you, sincerely, Jim. Right. So it's like if, yeah, if one day I could get a note like that from somebody, um, yeah, and I've already gotten things that have a tinge of that. Um, That would, you know, feels pretty damn good. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds
0: did you say that his name was Jim? Yeah, the guy that wrote it was Jim. Sounds like Jim thrived working for your father.
1: Yeah, there you go. So that that's a good answer for the would you thrive working for you? Yeah.
0: I love that. Let's bring it to a close. Mr. Brian Fermato. Thank you so much for your time. Please leave us with a final thought from your good self.
1: Yeah. I mean, the world is an uncertain place and therefore we've got to control the things that are right in front of us that we can control. And, um, at the same time, uh, we have to release, let go of those things that we can't and recognize that releasing isn't a sign of defeat. Um, yeah, it's a way to conserve energy and put it towards the things that really matter to us.
0: My friend, so good to have you back on. Take care.
1: Great to be with you. Thanks, Ryan.
0: Go episode 137 with Brian Fermato. How heartwarming was hearing that letter. God, like that really got to me. How powerful those words were. For, and for Brian to only discover that unfortunately after his father's passing, it's um it's something special and, and, uh, and I'm really glad that he he brought that with him and and, and read that out. That's a really powerful moment for which I'm really, really grateful that happened. I just yeah i just love this central phrase around would you thrive working for you it's something we we should really take to heart and, and just if you've been around this podcast long enough you'll know that that is one of my principles from how to be more positive it's to be the greenhouse it's not to compete and be the tallest sunflower or the the flower in the in the in the most amount of light, it is to be the greenhouse to create the environment with which others grow and thrive and flourish. I love that message. And, and the other question is, what makes you better, special or different? You know, those are two things I'd really like you to go and reflect on. How can you create the environment with which others flourish and thrive? And, and secondly, how can you start to get clear on what makes you better, special or different? Go and share this with someone whose heart and mind and leadership you'd love to inspire to, but most importantly, do something personally. Do something for yourself as a result of listening to episode 137 with Brian Fermato. appreciate you, my friends. Thank you for making it to the end, and I'll speak to you again soon. Always love.